Hey, this is Brian Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury. Sure, we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. The show is brought to you by Pariah Pickups. What you want, what you need, what you love. Check them out at pariahpickups.com. To support the No Sleep Till Sudbury show on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash Brent Jensen music. All right, calling into the No Sleep Till Sudbury podcast this week is singer-songwriter Justine Giles. Justine's brand new single, Save Myself, drops this Friday, February 18th. Here she is. Justine Giles, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you. Of course. Thanks for having me. So I was saying uh, earlier to you, we found each other on the interwebs, and it's uh, it, it's cool because um, I didn't know this, but you are a Sudbury girl. I sure am. Born and raised. Born and raised. <laughs> <laughs> Nickel City represent. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, that is so cool. But when did you, uh, I know that you lived in Toronto for a, a brief period, but when did you leave Sudbury? Well, yeah, I've kind of lived all over the place, to be honest with you. Just like trying to figure out the music industry across Canada. So mm. I, I officially left Sudbury in 2014 and I lived in Montreal for a couple of years, did some showcases and stuff like that. And I was kind of touring a little bit my first independent record at mm-hmm. the time and was just ready to leave, ready to leave Sudbury. And then ended up going back to Ontario for a bit and doing some further recording. And, you know, CBC Searchlight was starting up at the time, which was really cool. And mm-hmm. eventually landed in Toronto around 2017, took the Canada's Music Incubator Program, which was a huge highlight period for me because it was really just getting thrown into the thick of the industry on a whole other level for an indie artist, right? For mm. someone who was always like self-produced and, and, and self-taught, basically, uh, it was really cool to meet people that work at like Stingray Radio or producers or managers and really just get your hands dirty in the industry and figure out what it's all about. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, that was a, an interesting time for me. And I tried to stay in Toronto for a couple of years and, you know, it's a challenging city to be in sometimes. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a significant time for me and did some recording and releasing there as well. And, uh, ended up just getting to the point where I just needed a change personally and professionally. And I had some friends that I met, uh, in Toronto that were from out West. And so I came to visit Calgary for a bit and thought, you know what, just take the leap and, and go. Hmm. And how long have you been there now? Well, I moved here right before COVID hit, maybe like four or five months prior. So uh, late, late 2019. Okay. So not long then. No, about, about two years, give or take. Yeah. How do you like it? How's the scene out there? I've never been. Yeah, I love it. I, it's honestly shocking to me how small and supportive the music scene is here. Everyone kind of knows everybody. Mind you, there's a lot of country artists here, and, and I'm not really in the country realm, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, like there's there's other people that you know just kind of are outside of that box and do their own thing. And there just seems to be a lot of support out here. Uh, lots of opportunities for live shows, and I'm really grateful for that because obviously it's been a challenging time for artists. Mm-hmm. But to be able to have some gigs this year is, is nice. <laughs> Um, but also like a lot of grant funding and that kind of thing as well. So it's, it's been a really supportive environment for me. Good. That's yeah. good to hear. Good. I am a huge supporter of up and coming artists that I love. So, um, 
you know, welcome to the club. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've got no. You know what? I, I it breaks my heart a little bit to hear people with high levels of talent, you know, not necessarily getting noticed right away, you know, but, and, and, and I count you as one of those people. So and if there's anything that I can do to shine light on you, then, then I'm happy to do that. Well, I really appreciate that. You know, it, it is a small industry, but it's a tricky one to navigate. Like I said, I mean, there's just a lot of layers and, and things like that. Like there's a creative side and there's a business side and you want to make sure that you're working with people that are in alignment with you and your values and what you do. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. when I moved out here, I had to really just create a whole new team of people. And that's, that's a scary thing. I don't know if people realize that, but you know, working with new co-writers and new producers and all that kind of stuff is like pretty terrifying. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think for me, like I'm, it's a lot about self-discovery and figuring out what's really true to me and trying to stay true to, to what I feel is, is right for me in any given moment. And obviously we grow and change, right. Mm-hmm. As, as artists and as people. But uh, I think it's important to, for me anyways, to, to build a team of people that can support me and just being Justine and, and not trying to like mold me into something else. That's so right. that's always been really important for me. Oh, I, I can see that being a massive challenge. So I'm glad to hear that you're doing well and, and making some strides. Good for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, good. Now, your new single, Save Myself, drops on Friday, February 18th. You must be super excited about this because it's really very good. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting, but it's terrifying. Like, I haven't really released anything in probably four years. So it's, uh, it's, it's a lot for me. As much as it's my comfort zone, like, it's easy for me to slip back into promotion mode. And honestly, I love it. Like, I love doing podcasts and, and stuff like this because I get to talk about everything that I'm I'm passionate about and it's mm-hmm. it's exciting. Um but it's still scary too, right? Because you're putting your your heart and soul out to the world and you have no idea how it's gonna be received. But <laughs> you know, it's part of the job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the most difficult part of the job. You know, to a degree you've got to really thicken your skin sometimes. Yeah. And honestly, I had a moment last week, I think because I've started doing a little bit of like pre promotion and just starting to talk about it a bit more than I have before just leading up to the release. And I really had a moment with myself when I was like, you know, I have to make sure that I'm in a really good space Mm -hmm. (laughs) with myself and with the song before it's officially out, because there's really no controlling what happens once it's out. And I actually saw this quote online that said something about creating something beautiful out of ugly experiences that mm. day it really made me reflect on on things in this song and the fact that, you know, I should really be proud of myself for turning like such a a really detrimental situation into what I would call, you know, a, and I would like to classify it as a beautiful thing mm. or a beautiful song or piece of art or whatever. And And I think that's uh, important for me, just like at the end of the day to be like, you know, obviously I want people to be able to connect to it and relate to it, and like it, and whatever. But at the end of the day, like for me on my journey, it turned a really dark time in my life and a dark experience into something that's kind of beautiful. And yeah. I think that's really what matters, right? Absolutely. Well said. I don't think you have anything to worry about. This song's going to stand up just fine. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I hope so. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I seriously, I, I I do really like it. Um, Unspoken 
is another yeah. song of yours that I love. And I've passed this around and I've had a couple of my friends comment on it and they love it too. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. We think you're great. So, you know, best of luck with this new single. I think it's going to do well. Well, thank you. And it's, I think it's a really important thing for me to come back and, and release this song because I have a couple other singles in the works and they're not so much in this realm of like intense ballad necessarily. Like, mm-hmm. But I felt that it was important for me to come back with something significant and something that just kind of, you know, touches on what's happened while I've kind of been off the scene. And then I, we can move forward and keep going on with life and, and release different different songs. So, yeah, I feel I feel good about it. I, I was looking at your catalog and you've got a string of singles. And um, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of other indie artists about this, and we, we always talk about albums versus singles. So your yeah. philosophy probably <laughs> is like pro-single, maybe not so much album. I do like the albums, but do you have any plans to put it like a full record out, or is singles just the way to go for you? Well, it's a great question, and you know, I, I do have this conversation a lot, and I, well, it's funny you mentioned the singles thing, because I did release an indie record and I pulled it from, oh. from yeah, like a lot of streaming services. I still have some physical copies kicking around, but quality-wise, like production-wise, it's really just not up to par with what I want to be associated with at this point in my career because something that was released, you know, close to 10 years ago. And, and even vocally, I mean, if I'm like 19 recording my first, like, self-produced record, like, can you imagine? It just basically sounds like a demo the whole time. <laughs> Um, so, you know, and even unspoken, like that's like self-produced stuff, you know, but yeah, it sounds great. Oh, thanks. I mean, and that's a bit more of a jazzier kind of tune, like stand up bass and whatever that I literally, you know, recorded with my dad and his friends, like, you know, it was a whole other world, right? Because that's, that's before I ever worked with a producer and this whole kind of thing. Um, but uh, seriously, um, yeah, but anyways, I mean, I love I love records too. Like I really do. And and my hope is that after reintroducing myself to the world with some singles, I'd love to put out like at least an EP or or mm. something fuller length. Like I really love it. It's it's good for a few reasons, right? Because obviously in terms of financing, well, everyone's debating about Spotify these days. <laughs> mm, um and and we don't necessarily have to really get into that right now, but I mean, artists have to live and try to recoup the thousands of dollars that they invest in recording. And unfortunately that doesn't happen with streaming. So mm-hmm. having a physical record is a major income stream. So, you know, that's just the reality of it along with merch and, and what have you. Right. So, I mean, I think it's a smart move <laughs> even to have an EP, but I also understand that the industry changed and I understand that unless you're, Adele or Beyonce or, or someone like that, if you just drop a whole record on an indie level, it's not necessarily going to reach people like you want it to sometimes if you mm-hmm. haven't released singles because everyone's attention span is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I just don't think people are willing to listen to a full record necessarily off the top if they don't know you mm-hmm. or who you are, right? So, I mean... I think uh, just you just kind of have to go and like ebb and flow with the the industry, and I think yeah, I mean they've moved to the singles model for a while now, and seems to just be the way to go. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's good and bad, right? Like you can put out a single and reach totally new people that 
don't know you and start building relationships and and that kind of thing. So I think that's positive. But yeah, I mean, in terms of recouping (laughs) the money is just almost impossible to do with streaming services. So it it poses some challenges for artists for sure. Yeah. Now you struck me as a a vinyl records kind of person. So I (laughs) I would love to put, yeah, I mean, I'd love to put out a vinyl one day. That'd be really cool. Like some of my friends have, you know, released stuff on vinyl and it's a really special thing. Yeah, no, it is. And I've got, I've had a couple of people on the show who did and, uh, you know, they're good enough to, to send copies and, and, and they're fantastic. Like, I love it. It's a, it's just cool. It's a tactile thing in your hands. You know, I, I'm from the old school. I love the vinyl. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to have an actual record. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Yeah. Well, hopefully that happens one day. Yeah. Now, Justine, you've got, uh, five songs here that are terrific. These are great picks. Oh, thanks. <laughs> they're very, they're very intense, vulnerable picks, but that's just kind of me, you know. I was gonna say that you know the first four, particularly, they're they're powerful songs. They cut right to the quick. So <laughs> yeah, and like it's funny because I actually went back into my emails to see what I had sent my producer when I was first getting to know him and establish you know that new relationship. And before we recorded, save myself. He's like, you know, what what are the kinds of songs you're listening to and, and what do you like? And so I really had to dig deep and think. And I wanted to tap into exactly what you just said, like the songs that, that cut a little bit, you know, and make you go like, ow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a lot of these songs are, are songs that I sent to my producer to just listen to before we recorded this, this track because I wanted to make sure that we did it justice. Because if you're talking about vulnerable, emotional things, you know, hopefully the the listeners can feel something, mm-hmm. even if it's not a direct connection, even if they haven't gone through the same experience necessarily. I think music should make you feel something, hopefully. Oh, yeah. But in, in the realm of what I do anyways, like singer-songwriter style, like, yeah. you know, I think there's a time and place for fun dance music, don't get me wrong, but, you know, if you're going to be listening to a singer-songwriter, like, I really hope that someone would feel something from it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and I was going to ask you if there was a correlation between these songs and Save Myself, because I, I hear a lot of similarities. So that's interesting yeah. that you raised that. Well, 100%. And, it, like, the fact that you you said that is uh, just confirmation of me that, you know, hopefully we hit the mark on, on that. You did. So let's listen to, let's listen, let's get into the first one. I wish we could listen to them, but... Uh, <laughs> licensing prevents us from doing that um serena Ryder is your first one weak in the knees 2006 i think this came out this is a great song yeah great track like she's phenomenal i think she's definitely a canadian icon Mm -hmm. if you will of of one of the like more recent generations that was a huge song for her and it got a lot of radio play which is kind of surprising to me because it is quite a vulnerable song and sometimes those those types of songs don't necessarily hit the market, right? In right. terms of radio, but yeah, powerful song. Very. And similar to your next one, Christina Perry, Jar of Hearts. A hundred percent. Like that just gives me chills, like talking about Christina Perry, because I, I think she's also just a phenomenal singer, songwriter, lots of piano ballads. And, and a lot of her stuff is placed as well mm-hmm. in, you know, TV shows and stuff like that. And I think that's, kind of how she started to get a, a bigger following if you will but uh, very similar to the Serena Ryder song Jar of Hearts is like a pretty cutthroat song 
very vulnerable. And again, like that's one of her bigger commercial hits, which it like can be surprising. And I just find like when I talk to managers or sometimes producers or just people in the industry in general, like everyone's pushing for like an upbeat song because for some reason there's this idea that it has to be this like relatable, upbeat, happy-go-lucky radio hit. You mm. know what I mean? And then I listen to these songs and I'm like, yeah, but these were like hard-hitting songs that people really connected to and they weren't necessarily upbeat dance songs, right? So yeah. I think that's powerful. I think there's there's strength in that. Yeah, last week I had Jennifer Buchanan on the show and she brought in Alanis Morissette. Oh, love Alanis. <laughs> yeah, but but same thing, right? So we, we talked about, you know, the 90s and how something started to shift around that time. And it was probably an overcorrection from the 80s, which was, you know, bubblegummy and big and happy and bright. Yeah. And so it, there was almost like this paradigm shift and, and you heard Nirvana and grunge, but like people like Alanis became Alanis Morissette and that was a massive shift. And so it was almost during that period that songs like these came to be more accepted by people. And it was like, this is how we really feel, you know, and, yeah. the, and, and jar of hearts. It like, it's just raw stuff. And, you know, previously people were like, Oh, come on. Like it's gotta be big and bright and dancey and, and fun. But I think that sometime in the nineties, people said, come on, like, let's be realistic about this. I mean that there were sentiments previously in, in country and some ballads previously, but the nineties, I feel like it really kind of came to the fore. Totally. And I think that's why I love nineties music so much, especially Alanis. And I'm, it's funny that you mentioned her because I mean, I didn't list her on this, on this short list today, but I mean, I grew up on Jagged Little Pill mm. and I still love that record to this day. And when I hear it, you know, still played on the radio some of those songs. It just, it makes my whole day because there's just something about it. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just, it's just raw and it's authentic. And I think people can, can pick up on that. And yeah. you're right. I think it really did pave the way for a lot of, a lot of singer songwriters. And I, it's definitely a welcome change in my books anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Sarah, is it Berets? Uh, Borellis, yeah. Borellis, uh, Basket yeah. Case. She's also someone who's like phenomenal in my books, like another American singer songwriter similar to Christina Perry. And she's gone on to write for the Waitress musical on Broadway and just created this whole thing. So she's she's done quite well for herself. But she started out, I think one of her biggest hits was Love Song, which you've probably heard. And uh, that was a huge hit. And that was kind of, kind of ironic for her because she's like, I'm not going to write you a love song just so I have a hit. And that was like the hit for her. So that was kind of funny. But I actually, I love a lot of her B-side stuff, like this song, um, Basket Case. Very raw, acoustic, seems to hit me every time. And yeah, I, I just think she's a brilliant writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, me too. Very folky. This is a little bit more chill for me. Yeah, no, I, I like this tune too. Yeah. Now, Here's a great one. Matt Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Nathanson, oh. Washington State fight song. Oh my god, I love this guy too. Like I've seen him live. I love a lot of his records and he's been at this for a long time as well. Like another great American singer-songwriter. Mm -hmm. Um has those huge hits like Come On Get Higher that everyone knows and loves and whatever. And no no shame to like his success because obviously he's doing something right. But again, like a lot of his records, like I love every song on most of his records mm -hmm. uh, just because I think he's a brilliant songwriter. This song in particular is just like so cutthroat, yeah. not even funny. 
like basically just describing an affair that's gone on to like such a raw degree that I don't think anyone would have the guts to do. And I just think it's like, if that doesn't hit you, I don't know what will. It's like getting hit by a truck. Like, <laughs> oh, it, like the second line, you're like, whoa. Yeah. You're yeah. like, did you just say that? Did you just go there? Yeah. Um, but powerful, like having the guts to, first of all, write that, but to put it out in the world is pretty massive. Yeah. Massive. You know, it, it reminded me, this is funny, and, and maybe there's no kind of correlation at all, but when I heard this, it reminded me of listening to Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses for the first time, because that record was laden with the F-bomb. And I remember, <laughs> and, and I, I was like, I think I was 18 or something, and I heard it, and I was like, holy shit, how can this be like a thing that you, like... How can like I just bought this at the record store, and um, yeah. you know, and up until that point, I mean, there'd been like here and there, there was you know little bits of it, but like Guns N' Roses really, and it came into the mainstream eventually. So it was like, wow, this is a, this is a, a watermark moment. And so in a similar way, when I heard Washington State Fight Song, and people will listen to the song and and they'll know what we mean when they when you, know, <laughs> you, you hear the second line, it's just like whoa, yeah. It, it basically like breaks, I was going to say bends, but really it, it breaks all the rules of songwriting that people say you have to follow. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's why it stands out. Yeah. But it's cool that he's got a great voice. The song is great, right? So it's, yeah. it's not for attention. It's not, you know, some kind of parlor trick. He, he's just saying what's on his mind. He's, he's being, you know, frank with, with the listeners. So. <laughs> yeah. Super, super honest. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's <a> great song. <laughs> it's it's honestly like a diary entry, you know, like it's. It is actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. like having a conversation with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rihanna is your last song, and stay. Yeah, I feel like that might surprise people because you know I I do listen to a lot of singer songwriter stuff, but uh, there's something about that song that is really significant for me and, and I I I don't know why I gravitate towards it maybe because again it's like one of those kind of vulnerable songs and again obviously mainstream but I, I don't know I, I love even playing it live acoustic it goes over well every time and I, I think people just resonate with it and and just with that sense of vulnerability of, of wanting to wanting to have someone stay like that's that's something i think that's pretty universal right unfortunately <laughs> there's a lot of situations where i mean people have to learn right we all we all have to learn sometimes that you can't you can't make anyone stay it's kind of like that i can't make you love me you know yeah. yeah i don't know there's just something about that song that that i really appreciate and also i think production wise it's pretty it's pretty stripped down compared to rihanna's other stuff so yeah, good melodies in this one. Like I, I, I do like it. I've always liked her, actually. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay, that is your list. Thank you so much, Justine. This has been great. Yeah, of course. I, I've, I've one more question for you. Sure. What was your favorite place to play in Sudbury for gigs? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like I've played every bar a million times over. <laughs> Downtown <laughs> core is so small. Did you play the townhouse? Uh, I played the townhouse a couple times. I, th I think that's usually what stands out for people. But I mean, I've done like singer songwriter rounds on very weird nights there. So it hasn't been like, you know, the nights when Nickelback played there back in the day or anything like that. I didn't really have that kind of townhouse experience. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. Like, you know, I think the most significant show that I would have had was probably my first CD release party. And we did it at this bar called SRO, Standing Room Only. And uh, yeah, that was a really special night that I'll never forget because it's like my first album release. And we sold the place out, local restaurants, like next door, I think it was the Fromagerie, uh, donated, like they catered the whole thing for free. They donated the bar to us for free to use for the night. Like it was packed and it was just, it was so cool to have local, just local businesses support it so much. And I played like with the full band and it was just a great time. So yeah, that was a really special special time there's a cool scene in Sudbury like I go back there I've got good friends there who own a couple of restaurants ripe I don't know if ripe was there when you were there yeah I yeah, love that sure. place that's that's uh, Nancy Joe and Mark I give them a little shout out on the show here ripe is a fantastic restaurant um, every year I'll go and see them but Sudbury has got a great scene just in the sense that you know the community rallies around musicians there so I oh, totally I totally see what you mean yeah yeah I think it was it was a really good place for me to start out like it was, I was so fortunate to have all the gigs that I did. I mean, you start playing downtown and people come out and see you even at open mics. Like when I was first starting out doing open mic nights, like people always come out and they learn your songs and like, yeah. that's how it starts. Right. And then you fall in love with, <laughs> with playing music and it's such a special thing. So yeah, I was really, really fortunate to grow up in that scene for sure. Yeah. So every Saturday night. <laughs> have you seen have you seen the statue no what? oh my god where is that that is by the arena i'm pretty sure it's, it's no still way. there like in front yeah. of Sudbury arena are you kidding yeah oh I'm man I, I don't think i've seen no i haven't i would know that oh man i gotta go and check I that think out it's fairly recent and when i say recent i mean probably within the last five years like yeah, I mean, it's kind of creepy at night because if you don't know it's a statue, you're like, what is that guy doing? Just staring at me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's awesome. Like they have this stomping Tom with a guitar, like statue outside of the, the arena. That so. is so great. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. Yeah, you totally should. You totally should. Oh, okay, Justine, um, I'm going to close the show. Stay on with me for a second, okay? Yep. All right, this has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brian Jensen and my very special guest, Justine Giles. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. 